Hello, and welcome to Disciples Quest. I'm Emily. I'm William. Today we're talking about Romans 5, part 2. Before we get into that, Will, how was your week? Uh, it was pretty, it was busy for both of us. It was. Every day this week we had something going on. Um, but it was good busy. Like, hung out with some friends, I learned how to change oil on a car. I am, I'm trying to think now. I'm full on, like, going to the gym, working out, um, just had to get it, dive right into fitness and health and stuff like that, so, doing that, uh, hmm, I can't, I can't, uh, think of anything, hang on, also, oh yeah, also, I mean, our car broke down, well, sort of, basically, their coolant line has a leak in it, so the coolant leaked out, <laughs> and we had to get towed. Well, I was driving it to go meet someone, so I couldn't meet them. Yeah, so we had a towed to a mechanic and found out it was going to be like a week before they can look at it. So, Not uh, a week. Almost a week. Almost a week. Yeah. So so that's that, I guess. Yeah, did some, basically, I guess, mostly hanging out with friends this week. Yeah, same. Yeah, for her too. Sometimes the same friends, sometimes separate, but, but clear the calendar for next week because... Uh, I still haven't finished Justin's website, and I need to do that. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a good plan. Yeah. So lots of seeing people, and now the car is just in a parking lot somewhere waiting for a mechanic to check it out. We don't have a car for the next who knows how long. So things have slowed down, taking the bus places, not able to go grocery shopping with my mom today. Uh, it changes things, but... It's not the worst thing that could happen, I guess. It's manageable to not have a car. Yeah, it's definitely not. It's just inconvenient. But I do like how it kind of slows life down a bit. You're not driving around everywhere all the time. Yeah, and today's been pretty slow after work. Came home, took a nap. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Just, yeah. It's nice to take things a little bit slower than normal. Yeah, taking things slow is nice sometimes. Uh, especially after it's been so busy. I feel like it's kind of forced us to... Um, take a breath and maybe that's a good thing so okay so what verse we leave off at we're gonna start at Romans 5 verse 12 can you read this time William yes therefore just as though one man's sin entered into the world and death through sin and so death spread to all men because all sinned for until the law sin was in the world but sin is not imputed when there is no law nevertheless death re Reigned. Reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned, in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one the many died, much more to the grace of God, and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one death reigned through the one, much more those who reigned the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So then, as though one transgression, there resulted condemnation to all men. Even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted, there resulted justification of life to all men. 
For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. The law came in so that the transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded, all the more so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So yeah, we all know the story of how sin came into the world, right? Uh, There was a snake in the Garden of Eden, and it talked to the first woman, Eve, and was like, eat this fruit, even though God said not to eat the fruit, and she did it, and then her husband, Adam, ate it too. Um, so really, I don't think Adam's the only one to blame here, but turning this point all onto Adam, because it's also the snake and Eve that did it. Yeah. I thought that was weird. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, like, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, hmm. I never thought of that, actually, whether drawing focus to that. I mean, I don't really think it's something that he meant to do. I just think it kind of came across that way, as you just talking about the original sin. Yeah. Adam and Eve. And comparing Adam with Jesus, I think, is a good way to go about it. Mm-hmm. Um, simplifies things rather than saying, like, Adam and Eve and whatever. It's like, no, one man did this, and then one man went and did this. So, Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I've, I've seen people kind of get angry a little bit about, like, the whole Adam and Eve thing. I mean, uh, I've, I've certainly uh, been in a place before where I really questioned why it is that one man had the ability to condemn everybody or why God put a tree right in the center of the garden of Eden. Um, we've all heard the, the, not the rebuttal, but like kind of the mocking. It's like, well, why, why in the center? Why not put it on top of a mountain? Like why make it so easily accessible? Um, and why make it the most beautiful tree in the entire garden with the most delicious fruit? Well, it actually doesn't say that. So I'm not sure where people are getting that from. It doesn't say it was the most beautiful fruit tree. It doesn't say it has the most delicious fruit. But anyway, um, it was just a tree. It just says there's a tree at the center, right? With the fruit and knowledge of good and evil. And the reason it was there was because God wanted to give Adam and Eve a choice. Yes. Um, they you know, they didn't have knowledge of sin at the time. It's not like they, um, they didn't have knowledge of sin at the time, but they could still choose to follow God or to disobey God, yeah. to have to gain that knowledge, and they chose to disobey Him. Well, so because who wants slaves, right? You don't want to just have robotic people that do whatever you want. God wanted relationships, so He gave them choices because that's what a loving Father does. Yeah, and it's like, well, you could have, um, well, I don't know. Like, I mean, I would almost argue that the angels don't have free will. Um, they do, though. They can choose to go down with Satan. Mm, yeah, I guess you're right. Because Lucifer made that choice and then brought down one third of the angels with him because they all chose it too. Hmm. Yeah, I hadn't. Oh, I never really I thought about fireworks. that. I hear fireworks. I wonder what's happening outside. It is fireworks, right? Can you hear that? Happy August 25th, I guess. Yes. Um. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember now where I heard that thought that angels don't have free will. I've heard that before and I thought it made sense at the time because. You know how people sin all the time and angels come to protect us? But angels, do they struggle with sin in their life? If they also have free will? I guess not, because man had free will even before the fall. So he can have free will and not be sinning. 
mm-hmm. or have a sinful nature. I mean, I guess angels are just creatures that don't have sinful natures, but some of them but choose to fall. I don't know. I wonder how it works, though, if Nephilim came from angels and humans. Hmm. Are those angels still in heaven or are they part of the fallen ones? I guess we're getting off topic, though, so that's uh, a conversation for a different day. But anyway, so that's my our understanding of the story of the Garden of Eden. And as it says here, I guess we start with the first verse. The free gift is not like the transgression, for if by the transgression of the one that, that many actually... Emily, what does your, your Bible say? Mm, my Bible says... Therefore, as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death has spread to all men, because all have sinned. Verse 13, For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not counted where there is no law. 14, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned, in the likeness of Adam's sin, who was a type of him who was to come. Yeah, so there's they're drawing like all throughout this part, they kind of just like sort of draw similarities between Adam and Jesus. It's like um, Adam condemned the world, and then God saved it. Ad- Adam brought sin to the world, and then God uh, gave it salvation. Um, and it was showing how the sin still existed before the law, but it just wasn't counted. It's like you perhaps you you always knew it was wrong because um there's a part of us that maybe understands that right it's like they think there's probably always some notion and it probably weighed heavy on your conscience but it's not maybe put into words right so the reason why um or one of the reasons the apostles talk about why the the law existed was to show people just how sinful they are it was to diagnose the problem. It's like so they're all sinful, and perhaps deep down they sort of knew it. I mean, I mean, people that didn't have the law or before the law, it's like okay, well, yeah, it's wrong to do this, but you know, the law really says, hey, don't do this, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't you know, all these things, and then um, they realize, oh, we're not doing that, and hey, it's really hard to keep these these commandments, it's really hard to keep these laws, and we can't. And so it shows how how of a bad situation mankind really is in. Well, and one one good way that I've heard it uh, phrased too is like this is just heard from today because I was listening to Mike Winger talk about Romans five, but he was just like, you know, I've often heard people or like atheists argue, I don't need God to know what's wrong, and he said Christians sometimes fall for that. He's like, but in reality, that's not a Christian standpoint that you have to have God to know what's inherently wrong because um we all know like like it says it's written on our hearts and there's a thing called i guess that ties into natural law it's like we we kind of know inherently what's wrong um a lot of things but the the law kind of clear the bible clarifies the things that are like certain details right it it keeps us on track Mm -hmm. or also it's really easy to to i guess um for people to do things out of selfishness, I guess, and then justify it as right and tr- and convince themselves by lying to themselves. So I guess an easy example of that would be something like abortion, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, just thinking of that one. <laughs> yeah, where it's like, okay, well, I'm going to say that this is okay, 
because it's convenient for me and I don't have to suffer and if I you can just kill my baby and convince myself it's all right. Yeah. Human something sacrifice. Like that. Yeah. So it's like <clears throat> so the Bible, like you might deep down know what's wrong, but like the Bible kind of puts into words and keeps us on track and helps as a roadmap so we don't, you know, it's harder for us to fall off course if we're really reading the word, right? Mm-hmm. Um and to deceive ourselves. So um but anyway, that's kind of how I look at it. And I might not be like wearing that all in the best way. So the Bible is very helpful in outlining morality and all that kind of stuff to to um, help keep us on course so we don't fall into those pitfalls. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I personally think, I, I personally believe in natural law. I think every man knows uh, deep down in their hearts because of their conscience, because God, it says in the Bible, God wrote it on their hearts. That, you know, it's wrong to kill, it's wrong to steal, all those kinds of things. And there might be little things like here and there that, you know, the detail, like, uh, I, I don't really want to call them lesser sins. Like maybe certain things, I guess, we can get, kind of get caught in. I'm not actually sure about that. Is it that somewhere deep down we know all the sin that we do is wrong, even when we say that we don't and we've never read the Bible? Or is it just like certain things? Yeah. Like... I'm not sure. But anyway. It's hard to say. And like without God, I guess in someone's life, you can still know when something's wrong, but you won't know everything that's wrong um, unless if you have him guiding you and you have the Bible because what's good to the world could also be wrong to God, right? So like, let's say something like sexual liberation or something, right? It seems good to people, all those different things, but having multiple partners or something is against what God's law is. Yeah, it's destructive too. And I kind of think that that's the other thing too. When it says that God wrote it on their hearts, is that something that, do you think everyone kind of sort of like knows somewhere deep down that this is harmful, but they just choose to ignore it or bury it because it's it's desirable? Hmm. Hard to say. We can't look in people's brains. Yeah, I guess so. Anyway, uh, okay, so let's read on. Um, I think the way that it talks about how Adam, well, and in verse 14, it says that who was a type of him to come, of him who was to come. It's talking about Jesus, right? Because it says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of Adam's sin. Who was a type of him who was to come? So yeah, I think, right. yeah, it's talking it's about typology. talking about Jesus there and a type of him who was to come. So Adam was the first man, but Jesus is the first man who was also God, the only one who could be man and God. Um, I don't know. It's just an interesting comparison to think about, well, there's this first guy and now there's this other guy. And Jesus is more than just some guy and he's coming to give the free gift which will be talked about throughout the next verses yeah i've i've heard some people call this kind of thing typology where it's like symbolisms of jesus before uh before he got to earth right so like that'd be so here he's drawing comparisons between god and adam how in some ways are the same but in some ways are the complete opposite mm-hmm. where it's like he brought sin to the world but jesus brought salvation so starting at verse 15 
but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if through the trespass of one man, many died, then how much more has the grace of God and the free gift of the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded by many? Yeah. Think about how much more comes from God than Adam. So. Oh, yeah. Yes, the impact that Adam made was big, but the impact that God made to save us is far bigger. Because, well, sin is something that's like, ah, that's awful. Grace is so much more powerful than that. And bringing that grace in just gets rid of the sin and it makes things better where we can actually have a true relationship with God and be made righteous in the sense of being made right with him. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So getting very repetitive here, but really pointing making that point across that the free gift is far greater than the trespass. Yeah, that's right. Like there's even a comparison, really. They can't be compared. So it's providing more reasoning as to why the the two are different. Uh, One was one transgression and one resulted from many transgressions, saving us from all of them, past, present, and future. Mm Mm-hmm. So then, as though one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as the... Hang on. So then, as though one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience... The many were made sinners, even so that through the obedience of the one, the many were made righteous. So more comparisons, right? He's showing how he's the same and yet in some ways opposite, right? Mm -hmm. He's the same as in like he made many sinners or he brought sin into the world. And once again, he's just saying, well, through one act, he brought lots of sin into the world. And then through one act, Jesus saved them. Exactly. Brought salvation. I like how it talks about, in verse 19, talking about disobedience and obedience. Because a big thing when you are following God is you're obeying him. Because, I guess, the opposite of sin, which is disobedience, is obedience and walking in the path that God has laid out for you to be something good rather than rather than the destruction of sin. So the last two verses, 20 and 21, but the law entered so that sin might increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded much more, so that just as sin reigned in death, grace might reign through righteousness onto eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
So was the law just made to be broken? Um, no, the law was made to be kept, but... But it's too perfect to be kept. Well, yeah, I mean, the law was, he made the law to keep, for us to keep the law, but it was to show us, I guess it, I mean, it, it I mean, it really depends on your perspective of it, right? I guess in some ways you could, you could argue the point that it was made to be broken, yeah? God made the rules for us to keep the rules, but then um, he also knew we, weren't, we wouldn't be able to, and it was so it was to show us just how broken we were. So, yeah, I guess in that regard, you could say that he made it to, to be broken. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, it's kind of like your perspective on it, I suppose. So, where sin is running high, grace reaches far higher. That's right. Um, and as it says in the end, salvation triumphs over death. Take so, that, Satan. Yes, take that. Got him. Dab. <laughs> okay. <laughs> take that, Prince of Darkness. We don't need you. Ha. Yeah. Because grace reigns in righteousness eternally. Nothing can stop it. No death, no sin, no. Uh, seriously. Aren't you glad that we can get free grace? We don't have to bow down to the Prince of Darkness. We can be children of God and live forever with him in heaven. Yes. Now, something... So in this passage, it was very repetitive, like very much like, this is not this, this is this, this is more than this. So I Mm -hmm. took time to write down kind of like a sum of it just to kind of look at the comparisons a bit on their own yeah so and here we learned that trespass does not equal free gift but trespass does equal death grace equals gift so the free gift grace abounds more than trespass judgment leads to condemnation the free gift leads to justification grace reigns more trespass leads to condemnation Righteousness leads to justification. Disobedience leads, uh, disobedience, uh, leads to being sinners. Obedience leads to righteousness. Sin reigns in death, whereas grace reigns in righteousness. So there you have it. Free awesome. grace, free grace, free grace, sinners. Yes. Oh, the free How grace. How's that song go? There's a song about grace. I found free grace. Da, 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 I'm newborn again. I don't understand. Christians wrote a song about grace? Yes. How many songs have Christians read about grace? I don't know. Probably in a the thousands. A plethora. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I guess, are we done there? Yes. That's all we have time for today. Before we get into the outro, just wanted to say this is the last episode of this current run. Um, as mentioned a couple uploads before this one, we are taking a break in September to we go are. on our honeymoon for the last two weeks of September. Oh, yeah. And then in October, we're going to really pray and seek God and figure out what we're going to do for season four. So we're probably going to keep on going on in Romans, maybe do some more things like about prophecy or other gifts that God gives us. And of course, try to get more guests on the podcast. Uh, so October will be a time where I'm going to be reaching out to people to try to get them to come on throughout the next season. But we'll see how that goes. It's all in God's hands. So going to hold it loosely there. 
Um, okay, I'll pray. Um, God, thank you for this day and that we're able to record this podcast and that we'd be able to get through um, three seasons. Help us as we go into September for all of our listeners. Help them to seek you and to help them to continue in their faith and even when things get busy to take time to spend with you help us to have characters that reflect your goodness to live as you want us to live god guide us protect us and just yeah help everybody listening to just have a great sense of your peace over our lives amen Amen. That's all we have time for today, guys. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. We have a website, DisciplesQuest.net, where you can find all of Disciples Quest activity aggregated. If you want to reach out to us, you can reach out to us on our DisciplesQuest at quickstory.life email. Um, we also have social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. And please, send us your questions, criticisms, stories, or requests. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And may God guide you on your quest to becoming better disciples. Bye, guys. Bye.